0: welcome to the hr happy hour show with steve and trish trish it is early as we record this maybe our earliest recording ever right after this recording trish since i did not have time before it i'm going to make myself an extremely unhealthy breakfast i've decided so here's my question to you what is the one unhealthy food or drink that you just can't resist even though you know you probably should
1: Oh my goodness. Well, good morning. And yeah, it's very early. That's a tough question that I can't resist. You know, for me, I don't know that it's one thing, but it's definitely sweets. And I always try, I don't do it every time, but I really try to eat my dessert first because I hate to eat a whole meal and get so full. And then there's a wonderful, you know, some sort of dessert and I can't have it. So I would just say in general desserts, I can't resist them. I actually try and eat them first. And I am the mom that's known, uh, the mom, the aunt, the, you know, whatever that's known to give the kids like brownies for breakfast or whatever. So yeah, dessert. Absolutely. Good. How about you?
0: It's easy, Trish. And I'm going to have this this morning. It is Spam, my favorite uh, breakfast meat product. (laughs) I love it. And I think it's underrated. It's very versatile. And it uh, goes well, well with everything. So you. I'm having some that this morning with some eggs. That's my plan.
1: I am not a spam fan, but I was recently in Hawaii, which as you may know, is like spam is the most popular thing there. And they have like 30 flavors. Maybe it's 28. They but anyway, they're doing. a ton of flavors Absolutely. there. And you can even get spam for breakfast at McDonald's. I ordered it. I actually ate it. I need to get out there. All right, Tristan. and to, rice and eggs.
0: We, we could talk about this all day. You can follow this on my you other did. podcasts, like Breakfast Meets daily. but uh, we've got a really good show today, an important show Thank for you. us. It's a follow-up show to one we did back in February with the Special Olympics and SkillSoft. We are going to be talking to two uh, athlete leaders from the Special Olympics uh, on our show today, which we're super excited about. We're really glad they could make some time for us today. Before we welcome them to the show, Trish, we want to mention a special event that's happening June 10th and June 11th from our friends at Paychex. It's called the Thrive event. It's two days of insights, resources, and solutions you need to build a better workplace, build a better team, and build a business that will thrive in 2021 and beyond. It's an online event from our friends at Paychex. It's going to feature speakers like Damon John from Shark Tank, who you know, uh, Marty Musi, the CEO of Paychex, who's great. Cy Wakeman, our friend Gene Meister. Trish is part of this event. Tom Hammond, our legendary uh, friend from Paychex. Uh, so we're super excited. We learned a little bit about this yesterday on a call with our friends at Paychex, and I encourage everybody to check it out and sign up. It's for free next week uh, or this week coming up, uh, and at go.paychex.com/thrive. Trish, you, you learned about this yesterday too. I don't know if you want to mention uh, anything special about it too.
1: I did. I just want to say it's what's special about it is is it's not just focused on human resources. This is truly focused for any business leader. Who wants to understand and i thought it was really interesting they're breaking the two days down the first day is all of the futurists all of the people who are thought leaders and and really solid business leaders just across the board and day two i think they said they're going to have at least nine live demos so i think that's amazing um obviously i'm a huge fan of actually seeing product in action so again even if you just kind of come in and out of day two Um, And look at a couple different, you know, new technologies. I know that that's something that people always like. So yeah, two great days. Please join our friends and show sponsors at Paychex.
0: All right. Awesome. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. Uh, So thanks to our friends at Paychex. So let's get on with the show, Trish. We've got two great guests waiting from around the world. It's a a, a truly global show today. Uh, Our first guest is Kira Bylan. She is 22 years old and she is a Special Olympics Great Britain athlete since 2014, Kira has uh, numerous learning disabilities, which include numeracy, reading time, dyscalculia, and dyspraxia. Despite these disabilities, Kira has been able to achieve so many wonderful things, and she's a true leader and ambassador for inclusion. She helped create a pilot called the Kira Project to inspire other children and other young people with intellectual disabilities to never assume you can't achieve and to always hold on to your dream and that it can come true. Kira, welcome to the show today. How are you?
2: Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. Uh, let's also welcome our other guest, Ben Ben Hawk, He's a Special Olympics athlete leader from Australia. He is an inspirational athlete and accomplished football and cricket player. Cricket is very hard, by the way, Trish. I tried to play it once; it's impossible. And a mentor. I agree. <laughs> and a mentor and ambassador for Special Olympics Australia. He is the Athlete Representative Director of Special Olympics Australia Board, the Athlete Representative on the Special Olympics Asia Pacific Region Leadership Council, the co-chair of the Asia Pacific Athlete Input Council, and the athlete representative on International Advisory Committee of the SOI Board of Directors. Ben, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Cricket is very hard, right? If you're if you if you were not a born cricketer or from, as they say, a cricketing nation. The first time you step up with that bat and that ball comes at you like a thousand miles an hour and bounces in front of you, I was ready to run for the sideline. Like I was so scared.
3: I'm I'm impressed. You you know what um you know what cricket is. I know there's a lot of yeah a lot of people from um your part of the world who don't. So
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, game no question. It it hasn't caught on here uh, as as we say (laughs) as yet, but uh, maybe maybe it will. So. Uh, Kira and Ben, thank you so much for joining us. As as we mentioned at the top, uh, Trish and I did a show a few months ago that talked about inclusivity, accessibility in the context of Special Olympics. And we thought it'd be a great idea. And and as part of that show, we we learned about your stories, both your stories and and watched a few videos and kind of got to know you a little bit virtually. And then we thought, oh, it'd be great to have you guys on to talk about these issues. Uh, around inclusivity, accessibility. It's very important to us at H3HR. We've been talking about it for a long time. We're doing some research on it right now. So maybe, uh, Kira, I'll start with you. Just maybe uh, if you could help uh, some of our folks who are listening, again, who are kind of those corporate leaders, those HR leaders, et cetera. Are there some things that you've kind of learned in your journey with Special Olympics and also just your personal journey that maybe some people who are on the corporate side should be thinking about, they should understand or at least be aware of when it, when we're talking about specifically around providing better access to folks with intellectual or development disabilities or some things you'd love, love folks to know.
2: Yeah, I'll just say that when you're working with people with disabilities and especially with intellectual disabilities, it's just being open-minded. And as long as you're trying to be conscious of that and trying to think of solutions to problems, a few things that I would say that work really well is if you have pictures or like drawings, if you have audio ways. So then if you've got a document, instead of having to read it and get confused, you can listen to it. And then maybe having like a visual video. So if they are coming to your building or if you're in a meeting, then they would know exactly what's going to happen step by step. So it's structured, but it's also, a fun, interactive way to help people learn a little bit better.
1: You know, I, I think you're just spot on, Kira. And I, I wonder too. I know that you know Steve and I are both. We're kind of. I'm fangirling a little bit because I have you know seen seen both of many videos about both of you. So it's kind of un, unreal that you're here with us. But can you also maybe talk a little bit about you know your events that you participated in at the Special Olympics, like as a competitor? And then maybe how that even ties into, you know, sort of being able to communicate uh, in a workplace or not, right, and be be included. Has that that participation helped you at all? And maybe just tell the audience a little bit of your backstory, if you will.
2: Yeah, of course. So when I first started in Special Olympics, I didn't have friends at school, so I was very isolated. But then in 2015, I got the opportunity to come to Los Angeles and represent Great Britain in cycling. So we do road races and time trials. So I did a 15K road race, a 10K time trial and a 10K road race. I was 17. I didn't really know what to expect. I thought, right, OK, let's go. Let's work hard. Because I had a coach as well that gave me a training training. Regime, so it was really hard. I was pushing myself to make sure I was ready to go for the games. I did go. I got three goals, which was amazing. I was so happy about that. And then I came home, and then two thousand and nineteen, I got to go to Los Angeles to defend my gold titles: the ten k time trial and the fifteen k road race. Instead of doing a ten k road race, I switched that to a twenty five. K road rights. My and through those experiences, I learned how to work as a team, what is friendship, how to support each other. And then with the Abu Dhabi experience, now I have six Olympic gold medals in cycling, which is a huge achievement for me, especially with my education. As you listed, some of my disabilities can be quite confronting, which can be a little bit unsure, especially when working with new people but as a team it was really crucial to understand how each other's work best especially when you're spending up to two weeks with some people that you traditionally wouldn't know straight away but it's nice that you can make your friends you can make memories but you can also have goals individually but you can have goals as a team and I think with that corporate side as a team with members of staff is it's okay to have big goals but also make sure you have personal ones as well that can help you build that gap a little bit closer and then you can achieve more as a team because you're a supporter in a team for your staff. But you're also a friend as well and it's making sure you don't forget them both because they're both are very equal. So make sure that your team is successful in whichever they choose to do.
0: Kira, that that's really uh, great uh, stuff, really helpful, and I and I think that leads us into I want to ask Ben about right. We talked, to, Kira, you talked about some of the sports you've done and your success as well. So Ben, your sports that you've participated in, and then I want to get into some of the the inclusivity stuff as well. But you're you're a team sport player, right? Soccer and cricket, right? And so. Maybe I'd love for you to comment a little bit about your background as well, your participation in those events and sort of your introduction to this space. And then kind of some of the things you've learned and you'd love our audience to know about um, being more accessible and being more inclusive.
3: Yeah, so I've been in Special Olympics for over 20 years. Um, Similar to Kira, um, I had a really rough time in school, had a lot of uh, bullying, just a really bad sort of cultural environment, which... Unfortunately, can still still happens today. It's just a, an unfortunate thing. And my mum went out and looked around for services for me to access, and she found Special Olympics. She found a football program, and I kind of started off in football. And then I I always played mainstream cricket. I had some challenges, but I kept assisting with that. And I've also played um, in Special Olympics with cricket as well. What I would say is uh, for Special Olympics, it's, it's good for both sides of the equation. It's not just good for the athletes. It's also good for uh, anybody without a disability um, for a whole lot of reasons. I mean, one, um, you get to actually engage with people with disabilities instead of reading about them in a book or going to talk to the medical professionals or the experts or any of that. So you get to actually engage people of the, you know, who have the, you know, who have disabilities. So you get to learn. Um, you also, um, you also get to learn that basically, you know, we're not necessarily that different. Um, as Kira said, maybe some of the ways we go about in explaining things or maybe some of the uh, techniques the coach used to coach athletes might be a little bit different. Maybe there would be a bit more investment in time. I uh, know our organization, we do have divisioning. So we do have a catering for lower ability, not just elite. And that goes all the way through the entire organization. Like even athletes at world games are not necessarily elite athletes. They can be all levels of ability. It's very much a focus for athletes. I think it gives you, gives you the opportunity to aspire, gives you the opportunity to learn goals. It gives you the opportunity to work in a team environment and to learn how your strengths and weaknesses can work with other people. Gives you an opportunity to to develop social and emotional sort of skills that are very important. All stuff that can very easily translate into into work. And I do get that for people probably in HR that probably would probably struggle to even perceive that in sport, let alone Special Olympics, but it does. And again, it's a really great educational environment and social mechanism for people with and without disabilities. And it's fun. And when people have fun, they tend to learn more.
1: Oh, I love that. You know, Ben, one thing that really struck a chord with me as you were, were giving your story is, you know, you put it in the perspective of maybe being the leader in a company or, you know, a coworker, a colleague in the company. And you were saying that it was I made a note here that it was good to engage with people with disabilities because it helps you learn. Um, I wonder if I could get maybe both of your thoughts, Ben, you first, and then you, Kira, second. Um, one of the things that I've always thought, both in, in having people within my family, uh, extended family who have different learning disabilities and abilities, uh, is that I've always felt it's really on me to figure out a way to communicate effectively with them. It's not the other way around, which kind of goes with what you said, Ben. So I guess my question is this. I almost feel like when you're out in a workplace, a lot of us tend to put it on the person with the disability. And whether that's a a learning disability, a physical disability, we almost put it on them to tell us what they need. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on A little more on what do you think we as the leaders, we as your fellow coworkers could do that would really help bridge that gap? Because it's really not on you to tell us what you need. That's not the only thing, right? It's it's we need to be taking active ownership of that relationship. Do you each have maybe some advice to people again and and kind of springboarding off Ben what you said about, you know, it's it's valuable for us to learn. But are there any specifics that you found in your just your life experience where, where a coworker or a, a boss or something has really stepped up in a way that was really helpful to making you feel included?
3: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting. Um, I found because you're right. I think it's kind of interesting. Like it's always traditionally been viewed that it's the person with the disability that probably does need to make the adjustments, and now it's kind of shift where people feel it's it's everybody else. Um, I kind of feel it's both, to be quite honest. I kind of think um the real the real answer to it is uh being allowed allowing people with disabilities to be able to talk about who they are and engaging them in uh meetings and developing a structure where they can give back and let you know how things are for them and that sort of stuff. I think that is invaluable in a lot of respects I absolutely people with without disabilities do need to be more open and do need to make an effort to engage and I think through that and I think again going to the point of Special Olympics what you see is that's kind of really what happens in Special Olympics we have probably never been that great at being able to explain it or to get the research behind it or all the other stuff that People generally want to have to be able to prove something, but when you're there, you tend to see that. I think that's probably the big key thing. Um, so that's probably my advice. Is I think it's 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 uh, a bit of both.
1: Thank you, Kira. How about you and your experience? Is there anything that stands out where you feel like either a coworker or a you know a supervisor, a boss, another leader, someone really made you feel included? Because they weren't necessarily putting it all on you. The responsibility was more of, like Ben's saying, more of a joint effort. Because I think sometimes, you know, as someone who's hired a lot of people, I think sometimes we're almost afraid to ask what, or or to even know what we can be doing. So what, what advice would you have kind of in that regard too, just based on your experiences? I
2: would say that taking time, because we are so busy as a whole and we feel a bit rushed we've got deadlines we we have things to do which is all okay but at the same time as if you're truly trying to get to know somebody you can't rush that process it's not a quick fix it's it's long term and as long as you've got that open mind of going into that working relationship that you know what I'm going to take it steady step by step And we'll build on that working relationship to help make this team or this company a success as well. And sometimes you are right. Some people are afraid to say, you know, what? I need help with this. But that's where that teamwork and that friendship comes into play, really, because if you come in as a supporting role, but also not having your limitations down to the floor like having realistic expectations instead of saying right I expect you to jump up here or I would expect you to be down here and it's actually having those conversations when you get to know somebody then you go right okay I got it this is where we're here but we can get up to here and it's just thinking of adaptations really so for me when I'm working with people on emails or if it's in documents I struggle to read black text and white paper so I say please can you change the font color to point 14 and in Arial. and as long as people do that also do that in attachments some people can forget that because like I said we can be quite busy we've got things to do that's okay but it's also saying that you doing it all wrong it's just trying to find that nice balance in between saying you can accept that so you know what it's a fact there's nothing we can do about that we're trying to look for those solutions together instead of somebody going right i've got solutions and you don't need to do anything you know it's that equal in that workout which is really important
0: here i think you made a great point there when in you when you were talking about the the text and the font size that you, you know, that makes it easier for you to read and and understand. Cause to me, that's like it's a small thing. It's a very, very small, it would take a person literally seconds, right? To I transform do. a document into a different font or a different font color, or a different typeface, et cetera, et cetera. It's 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 literally almost no effort at all. But yet that small uh step, that small um
1: I like the word adaptation. Well. adaptation
0: yeah. Right? That all yes. of a sudden has has included you in a more meaningful way into the conversation or into the collaboration or into whatever that document's about, right? And, and it's it's not that difficult. And I think, I don't know, maybe I, I throw this out there both for Kira and Ben. Is, is is your experience been, whether it's in your in your work uh in your your competition with Special Olympics or in the your other endeavors, uh, that oftentimes these are small gestures or small little adaptations that make a big difference? Is is that kind of consistent with what your experience has been?
2: as well but i just say that i think because they are so small you can't see them as bigger ones because most people go for bigger adaptations instead of small ones but actually it should be the other way around we should be looking at the smaller ones first and then edgy way to the bigger ones Mm
0: -hmm. yeah ben you had a comment i think
3: yeah a lot of people have the perception um, with when it comes to adaptation or disability that it's going to cost a lot of money, it's going to cause a lot of problems, it's going to be difficult, it's going to affect everybody else when in fact the evidence shows um, it doesn't have to cost that much money at all, it can be something simple and in fact, and I think it will continue to happen, there's overwhelming evidence to prove that it helps a lot of people, not just the necessarily the person or the group that you're trying to do it for. And it also has been shown to help business. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those perceptions—it'd it, be good to re- get rid of those sort of perceptions.
1: I agree. I, I think one thing um, Kira said that kind of applies to what you're saying, Ben, is that you know having a disability is not a flaw. And I know I can tell you, Steve and I both believe in that a hundred percent. It's it's really being able to to figure out like many of the ways. That businesses are not successful is because they they do try and hire everyone who um, is almost the same, if you will, right? They're looking for people with the same degree and the same life experience, and and they think that's what means inclusivity, right? And that's not it. It's like if you hire people who definitely have all different learning abilities, you will probably approach. If we if the four of us were given a problem we would probably have four different approaches to a solution for that problem but if we all went to the same type of school and had the same education and you know uh look you guys are special olympians uh you can obviously add you know so much rich feedback that someone like me who is not an athlete could never ever think about so i think if you're someone who's hiring if you're someone who's looking to build your team stronger That's a good example of how it doesn't matter how you learn or how you communicate that. It's like, you have to really think about that individual's life experiences and how that might really enrich what you're trying to do on your team. Have you all found, um, even outside of Special Olympics, have there been times where you've found that to be either true or maybe kind of at the other end of the spectrum where you really felt like, I'm right for this job or I'm right for this team, this project, and they weren't, you don't have to call anybody out if that's the case, but you know what I'm saying? Just more, more in general, just have you found times like that? And if so, because I'm sure you might have, what would you say to young people who are maybe entering the workforce who might be in that situation too? Maybe someone who has a learning disability or a physical disability who is, is not feeling included is there any advice from your experience? Maybe start with Ben first. Uh, what, what, would you tell, <laughs> yeah, what would you tell a young person, you know, maybe entering the workforce if they're feeling excluded? Do you have any tips for them?
3: Uh, I think from my experience, um, first, of, first of all, um, hard work is, is a universal concept. I think that's always something if you mm-hmm. can learn that. I think that's always an important thing. Uh, I think the other thing is the ability to learn is not necessarily, in my opinion, it's not necessarily defined by this um, these constructs that we have. I think the ability to learn is something that's a conscious effort, and if you can make an effort to do that, and I think hard work and the ability to learn are very important. I think you do have to have a bit of a fair amount of grit because, unfortunately what we're talking about has a tendency to still happen. Um, It does, there's no question about that. I also think um, try and make sure, try and make sure that you don't see yourself as being disabled, I think is is another big thing that I unfortunately see on the other side of people with disabilities. Um, Also don't ever try and get sucked into the, um, certainly in some countries, the welfare dependency cycle that tends to happen. So in other words, try and, you know, yeah, if you want to work, I think, I think that's fantastic. I think you should work hard. I think you should try and learn as much as you can. Um, I, think, um, I think you've just got to keep trying. And I definitely think, um, yeah, and I think Special Olympics is a great organisation if you want to join, particularly if you've got our sort of disability, um, because, again, we can certainly help in that sort of regard. And, yeah, I just think those those are probably the really important bits of advice that I would have.
1: Kira, how about you? What would, what would you sort of advise young people as they are maybe facing some of these times where they don't feel as included as they would like to?
2: I would just say that don't see being not chosen as a bad thing. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, well, you can't do it see it as a challenge and see it as a positive because these people are trying to help you improve they're not trying to hurt you you know and that's a really difficult thing to understand especially when you're young because you're keen you're green you're ready to go yeah yeah I can do this which is great because you want that enthusiasm but it's also saying that sometimes it could be just because you don't have the experience it takes time to have experience but a way to do that is shadowing somebody else speak to people who have more experience than you that they can actually help you get a few tips and hints but it's also saying like ben you know don't give up at the first try Sometimes you have to think outside the box and think, okay, right, well, if I can't go this way. Maybe I can go from the side. Maybe I can go from the top, maybe from the bottom, maybe from the corner. And it's just thinking how creative can you be to actually achieve something that you want to do?
0: Guys, the last question for me, I think would be, uh, Ben, you've been involved in the Special Olympics for quite some time, as you mentioned, Kira, as well, going back a number of years now too. You're, you're, you're a wise uh, old competitor yourself uh, and, and champion. <laughs> Um, are you feeling generally optimistic or, or good about how things are, are changing? Are, are they changing for the better? Or do you, in your opinion, from your experiences, do you feel like institutions, organizations, maybe society more broadly, uh, it's getting better at some of these uh, issues and getting a little bit more inclusive and accessible? Are you, are you optimistic about how things are going? Uh, Kira, I'll throw it to you first.
2: My answer is yes, I am optimistic because especially with big things happening in the world, people, communities, they're coming closer together. They're starting to think outside the box. It's not going to be a quick fix. of like, right, everything will be sorted, it'll be fabulous tomorrow. It's just gonna take that time. But like I said at the start, is as long as you were trying to improve on even just a little thing, that's great. If you can do a lot more than that, even better. But it's just trying to work as a team, try and be open minded. And if you do need help, just sometimes ask for it. it. doesn't necessarily have to be over the phone. Sometimes it could just be a text, you know, or a Snapchat or something like that. It could be little, but as long as people are there to kind of help each other, that's all that matters really. How
0: about you, Ben? What do you think? You've been sort of, again, involved in Special Olympics for quite some time been an athlete competitor, been an athlete leader for a while. What's your kind of assessment on how things, uh, are you feeling optimistic things are getting better or or maybe not?
3: Yeah, things are getting better. There's a question about that. Um, But you see with that comes some challenges. I think sometimes I think people feel that things are naturally more inclusive. There is still a journey to go. Um, And I think particularly in, in the area of, First of all, I I don't necessarily think the challenges or, no, the improvements have become systemic enough in enough parts of the world. I I think this space still has a tendency to suffer. This is a mindset that's been there for years of the, you know, we can talk about the positive teacher or we can talk about the positive employment place or we can talk about the positive athlete, even Special Olympics, I think, dare I say, suffers from this as well. I think the shift has got to be more systemic, more away from the inspiring story to something a lot more deeper and a lot more tangible. I think that's the next step. And that's probably going to be the hardest, hardest step, because for what I've seen, I don't think the human rights legal parameters are necessarily going to create that. I think the only way you can create that is for people to truly see value in that. And to not see inclusion as a separate feel good, something to make themselves feel better or something they can improve their reputation as something that's really tangible. Yeah. That's the next But in saying that, yes, things absolutely have improved and yeah. give me uh, optimism.
0: Awesome. Brett, thank you, Ben, for that. Um, I think that was really insightful and I think an important message maybe to sort of head out on, right? Like, we need to sort of move beyond the exceptional story, right? We need you guys both have exceptional stories, right? And those are great to talk about and great to showcase and great to shine, shine a light on. But you're right, I think, Ben, right? Once where we need to get to the place where maybe these stories don't stand out so much, right? They're just part of the normal mainstream, you know, workplaces and organizations and societies, right? It's just part of the normal, right? And that's, that's going to be the harder challenge, but one that, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to work towards. I think this has been a fantastic conversation, guys. I, I do want to thank you, uh, for taking the time, uh, with us today.
2: Thank you thank- for
0: having- What's next Kira, Ben, are we still competing or are we still out there? Give us like the last little, last little bit. Kira, are you out there? Are you still racing? What's happening?
2: Well, Ask COVID. (laughs) No, I'm I'm joking. Yes, no, I have started to do mainstream races locally, but at the moment, Special Olympics over here is taking its time to slowly allow thoughts to start back again. So I don't think there'll be lots of competitions this year because of you know i've been able to train for so long but i think we'll be out there at some point and i'm always doing athlete leadership stuff because everybody loves to do it because it's yeah. good fun
0: all right good stuff everyone uh thank you so much kira and ben for joining us and taking the time today from around the world it's been a, our first one of our best global shows ever spanning multiple Absolutely. time zones multiple days even it could be a different day ben where you are i don't know what day it is it could be like another year for all i know but uh Thank you so much again. We'll put some uh, resources in the show notes as well. And uh, back to our earlier show too. And uh, Kier Bylin, Ben Hawk, thank you so much for joining us once again. All right, Trish, great stuff.
1: This Loved was a it. great show. I'm, I think, you know, what it's interesting is we just kind of closed the show. I'll say that many of the tips and many of the things that they talked about apply to really anyone you're hiring. And it just will, if you, if you put those things into practice, you're just going to be more inclusive in general, which is a good thing. So, you know, let's, let's all just keep getting better at this. There's no reason that we shouldn't be. And, uh, and I love the idea of just teamwork, friendship. And I'll, I'll, my final thought is something actually that Kira said, which was, around it takes time. You can't rush these relationships with people. That's true of all people. So let's really take our time and be thoughtful when we're hiring someone to try and really get to know them and not focus on um, what makes us different, but what will really help bring them into your organization and into your team. So yeah. I that was right. great advice Kira.
0: All right. Good stuff. I will wrap it here for our guests, Kira and Ben. For Trish McFarland, my name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time.